Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, August 1st, 2021. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. Just a reminder that the per capita amount for 2021 is $38.15 per member. Family Services August category is school supplies. Backpacks, lunch boxes, composition notebooks, books, folders, glue sticks, children's scissors, crayons, markers, pens, highlighters, pencils, erasers, pencil cases, mechanical pencils, lead refills, Play-Doh, and facial tissues. Please join us for this year's Vacation Bible School on Sunday, August 8th through Thursday, August 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. The theme is Rocky Railway. It is open to children two years old through sixth grade. We also encourage you to invite friends, family, and neighbors. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
us prepare our hearts for worship as we join together in our call to worship. Come, let us worship our God, for there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. We come with humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. Let us worship God. Let us pray. Giver of life, every day you rain down manna from heaven so that we can eat the bread of angels. Turn our complaints into gratitude that we, as a church, may mature into the body of the risen Christ, given for the life of the world. Amen. confess our sin together, for we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Let us join in our prayer of confession. God, you have called us to live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. But we confess to you and each other that we have not always spoken the truth in love. We have not always made every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Forgive us and, by your grace, Help us to grow in every way into him who is our head, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, the promise of our faith is that whoever turns to Jesus Christ will never hunger for forgiveness, and that which gives life to the world. That is the promise of joy and of peace. Today is the second of our series of sermons on the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And this week and next week, we'll look at the work of the Spirit in people's lives, both unbelievers and believers. 
and we will find that there are two main workings of the Holy Spirit. One is the inner working of the Holy Spirit, and that is in both in the lives of both unbelievers and believers. And then there is the outer working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Sometimes these two workings are referred to as the dual workings of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to focus on the inward working of the Holy Spirit. And next week we'll look at the outer working of the Spirit on people's lives. So the inner working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. Well, first off, the Spirit begins his work in the lives of unbelievers. Uh, an unbeliever doesn't have the Spirit of Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ living within their lives. But the Holy Spirit is working upon them uh, individually and corporately. And the Bible tells us uh, that Jesus said to the disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict the world, meaning people who have not received Christ, he would convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of God's judgment. So the Holy Spirit is moving upon the hearts and the lives of unbelievers to get them to uh, put their trust in Christ, to turn from their sin. And that word turn means to repent. Uh, to repent is to turn 180 degrees away from your sin and toward God. So the Spirit is working in the lives of unbelievers to get them to turn from their sin to put their faith and trust in Christ, asking his forgiveness and committing themselves to live totally and completely for him from now on. And when a person responds to that inner working of the Spirit in their lives and they become a Christian, the, whole, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that they are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And in the same lines, in the book of Romans, it says that you were baptized into Christ. This baptism is not the, the baptism that Jesus gives to his believers to, uh, you know, it says that when Jesus, in our passage from uh, John uh, this morning, it says that John the Baptist said uh, that he, when the Messiah came, he would baptize people in with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But here we have the Holy Spirit baptizing people into the body of Christ or into uh, Christ. And the word baptism here is not talking about water baptism. It's using the general the general term of, of uh, baptism, which means to be immersed or to be filled with. So the here in 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit immerses us into the body of Christ. And which of which Christ is the head, so that it is being baptized into Christ. So, and when the Spirit comes into our lives, you know, when when we do that, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Um, in the past, uh, he, he the Spirit was outside our lives and working upon it, but now when we accept Christ, He comes to live within us. And one of the first thing the presence of the Spirit provides for us who put our trust in Christ is that the Bible talks about the seal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in our lives marks us 
as a member of the body of Christ. Uh, when you go to a notary public to get a document made out and or maybe a, something with a car title, uh, it talk, you, you know, he takes this special device and he punches it into the, into the uh, material, the sheet of paper, um, and it sort of embosses it, and that's called a seal. And that makes it an official document that is binding and shows authority. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit into, in the life of a believer is the seal that marks us as Christ's own. It says in the Bible that when Jesus was crucified and buried, the Pharisees came to uh, Pilate and said these disciples have said that Jesus would rise from the dead. He's, they're going to come and steal his body and then claim he's raised from the dead. So uh, Pilate said to them, well, take a guard and seal the tomb. Uh, they took and put a, a, a wax seal on the tomb saying, the body is in here and all the power of Rome will keep that body from coming out. But of course, the power of God is far greater than the power of, of Rome. And so Jesus came to life, was resurrected and came out of the tomb. Um, but, you know, the idea is we are sealed with Christ. We are marked as Christ's own and that Christ will never leave our lives uh, by the, because the presence of the Holy Spirit will always be in our lives. The uh, second inner working of the Holy Spirit has to do with the lives of believers. Um, when the Spirit comes into our lives, he begins working inside us. Uh, to conform our character to be like the character of Christ uh, so that we be like Christ. Some number of ways he does this is he uh, teaches us and helps us to understand God's word. Uh, he brings it to our remembrance. Uh, he teaches us, it says we grow first with the milk of the word and then grow to the solid meat of the word. Uh, he guides us directs us, counsels us, sometimes disciplines us, uh, holds the word up to us for us to see how we are. Uh, this is the, the working, the inner working of the spirit. And it, it deals with two specific things, what's called the fruit of the spirit and also the full armor of God. Fruit of the spirit. Okay. In John 15 talks about that, that Jesus is the vine. His father is the vine grower, that we, individual believers, are the branches. We are called to remain in Christ. As we do that, we cooperate with Christ, and he causes to grow in our lives the fruit of the Spirit. Now, sometimes we see there that it says there's nine to the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, and so we're tempted to think that these are nine separate fruits, but that's not what it is. There, there is only one fruit of the Spirit. That is the character of Christ. There's nine aspects to it. It's sort of like, uh, you know, not like apples or, or pineapples. It's like a cluster of grapes. There is a cluster of grapes that is a single fruit, but it's made up of many individual uh, grapes. And so the fruit of the Spirit is like the cluster of grapes, the, the batch of grapes, and the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is like the um, 
individual grapes. So these are the character of Christ. If you asked what Jesus, how Jesus was, what was his character, his behavior, it would be marked by Christ was love, even as the Father is love. Christ was marked by joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The, these are the character of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives uh, with our cooperation to cause us to develop this fruit, which is the character of Christ. And it won't be complete until uh, God calls us home, but this is a lifelong process in which we endeavor to grow in Christ, to more and more reflect the character of Christ, so that when others see us, they don't see just us, they see reflection of Christ within us. That is the fruit of the Spirit, and that's one of the main inner workings of the uh, Holy Spirit in the life of believers. The other part that I mentioned is the, the full armor of God. Uh, the idea is that uh, once we come to Christ and we know Christ, then uh, we become the enemies of Satan's attacks, and God wants to, us to go out and carry on uh, his battle with the forces of the devil to touch people's lives who don't know Christ so that they come to know Christ. And to be able to uh, bear up to this conflict, just as it says in Galatians 6, to stand. And when you've done all, when Satan's thrown everything he can at you, to remain standing, you have to put on the full armor of God. And the armor of God is the you know, belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, uh, the uh, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. But these, thing, the, these different aspects are also Christ. It's Christ in our lives. It says, put on the belt of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to know truth, we come to Christ because if you know when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Uh, this is the truth of Christ. Um, then we put on the you know the breastplate of righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the, was only, the only truly righteous one, but He gives us His righteousness when we put our faith and trust in Him uh, through His shed blood. Uh, we put it says to put on the shoes of the of the gospel of peace. Uh, the literal word here is for the hobnail boots, not just regular shoes or sandals. It's the hobnail boots of the Roman soldiers that gave them firm footing so they wouldn't trip or fall in battle. So the the, the fact that we have peace with God and, you know, that God, we've been put right with God through Jesus Christ enables us to stand up under the assaults of the evil one. And then we go forth sharing the gospel. We can go forth assuredly with that solid footing to share the gospel that, they, that other people too can have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The next thing then is the shield of faith. It says, take up the shield of faith to quench, to put out the flaming missiles. Uh, these are missiles that Satan hurls at us. Um, missiles of temptation, of discouragement, of uh, despair, um, many things that Satan uh, throws at us to 
give us and cause us to give up our faith, uh, to fall into sin. And the idea is the shield of faith is our faith in Christ protects us so that we don't give in to temptation, that we don't fall into despair, and that we remain true to Christ. And this is faith in Christ. It's the faith of Christ. Once again, it's Christ. Christ. Then we put on the helmet of salvation. We are we are saved in Christ. Christ is our salvation. And we depend upon him. And that guards us also from the assaulting thoughts of the evil one. And it identifies us as belonging to Christ. As the, the Roman centurion, his helmet would have a plume on top. Showing that he was a lead, you know, that he was a leader, and that that the common soldiers would rally to him, and then it says to uh, the to take up the sword of the, the the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and uh, this is our only offensive weapon in which we fight back against the devil, and it says it, it, it's the sword of the spirit. It's the spirit, the sword the spirit gives us to use. He enables us to use the word of God. And Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God made flesh is Jesus. And he enables us to, to fight Satan, such as when Jesus was in the wilderness and being tempted. Uh, Satan would try to tempt him to do something. And Jesus would respond, thus says the Word of God. So it, he, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables us to claim God's Word in our situation. So these, these uh, seven different aspects of the armor of God and enable us to and we put them into practice through through prayer prayer for ourselves and prayer for others and uh, so we you know we are able to remain firm and be of use to to God through Jesus Christ so these are the inner workings of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit works upon unbelievers to get them to put you know to turn from sin and turn to Christ and when they do so, he seals them into the body of Christ, marking them as belonging to Christ. And once they come, once they have received Christ, then it says that Christ baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. And let me say this much: there are two two words for the word "filled." Another, the Bible, in, in addition to the word "baptized," also uses two different words for you know for "filled" to be baptized into Christ and to be filled with Christ are just two different ways of saying the same thing. Um, and, but sometimes our English translations don't point out the difference between these two kinds of being filled. Uh, the kind of filled here is that we're filled with the Spirit. It says, you know, it says in the Bible and in 1 Thessalonians that be not drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The word here literally means to be, have the Spirit within us, to have Christ within us to empower us. Uh, the thing with that is it's something we continually have to do. There's not just one feeling. There's many feelings because, uh, as the Bible says, uh, we are, uh, you know, faulty uh, vessels for his service. And we sometimes sin. Uh, and in these ways, we grieve the Spirit. We quench the Spirit. We resist the Spirit. And so we need to come and ask God's forgiveness for doing this. And he will and ask him to fill us afresh. And to be filled means to be to have so much in you that you're saturated. And we've been talking about saturation, uh, saturated altitude back in June. To be saturated means you're so full that if you're laid on something or something brushes up against you, uh, 
if it, if it was a sponge with water, uh, the counter would get wet. If you touched it, your hand would get wet. That's what called to be filled. So we'll look at the other idea of being uh, filled next week when we look at the outer works, the outer working of the Holy Spirit. But for today, uh, know that God calls us uh, to put our trust in, in Christ uh, through the working of the Holy Spirit. And once we come to Christ, we're baptized into him and the Spirit uh, enables us to, be, to develop the character of Christ and helps us to stand up under the assaults of the evil one. And in doing this, uh, to God will be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Now, if you join with me in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each week as we gather together to worship God, we come in gratitude to return a measure of what we have already been given to us by God. Let us pray. Loving God, as you fed your people in the wilderness, use our gifts, our time, our talents, and our finances as the manna to meet the hungers of the world in which we live. For Jesus' sake, and all God's people said, Amen. Now let us prepare our hearts for prayer. God of love and liberation, we give thanks for the stories of our faith in which you fed Israel in the wilderness and Jesus fed the hungry crowds that followed him. Like them, we sometimes forget to be grateful for what we have and are consumed by complaining about what we do not have. Like them, we sometimes grab for more than our daily bread. Help us to take only what we need and leave the rest for those who hunger. Forgive us when we follow Jesus or pray to you only seeking after our own good. Help us to pray for higher things, for the things that will equip us for the work of ministry and to perform the works of God. Holy One, we pray for this community at Providence Presbyterian Church, for its families, its individuals, and its children. We pray for also for the nations of the earth that the world may know plenty and peace. We pray for those who hunger for bread and for those who hunger for righteousness. We ask that, that they would be fed what they need. And Lord, we ask today in keeping with your word that we would have an indiscriminate heart, a heart of love for all people, no matter what race or creed. May the love of Jesus flow through us to all people, knowing that it is your desire that all people come to repentance. This is why your people, including us, must share the gospel with all people. Help us with the all. Thank you for your love and power that can transform even the worst of sinners and the religious sinner who is hiding behind uh, boisterous ways to cover his lost heart. May patience be may patience be our attitude as we consistently love and share you with those that are difficult to reach. Make us like you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Repentance is a great gift we give to that you give to us humans. We pray that we would have the privilege of seeing people turn to you today. Do it, Lord. Use us, us as your witness and our life to reach out to the all. 
whom you love and the all for whom you are delaying your return to be to be reached cause people to repent today my lord we joyfully share your mercy cause your saints to be effective in reaching to the lost today all these things lord we pray in the name of jesus christ whom you sent to be the bread for the world giver of life give us this bread always and all god's people said amen and now as the people of god let us join together in that prayer he taught us to pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever amen now for the work of ministry. Go in peace, 
and be bread for the life of the world. Now may God, the Creator, the Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit fill you with all good things, providing for you today and forever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen.